Hi, friends. How are you? Good. I'm excited to be sharing about our Mexico trip on what we are calling Mexico Celebration Sunday. Um, I am curious, who in here has been on a Mexico mission trip before through First Community? A few folks, nice. How many of you are the people, um, maybe a parent, maybe a sibling, maybe a grandparent, who has supported someone who has gone on the Mexico trip? Other people, yeah, a few other people too. Um, I'm excited to celebrate uh, the trip and all that we did this year. Um, as Glenn mentioned, we, First Community, has been going to Mexico and building houses there through Amor Ministries since the 90s. And just First Community alone has taken over 3,000 participants on 24 trips, and we have built over 180 homes in our history. So it's pretty cool. There are a lot of people who have done that work and there are a lot of people who have supported that work and one of those people is here today. Jen Brodka is just cringing that I am even saying her name out loud. But Jen is one of our administrative coordinators here at the church and she this year was the person who booked all of our flights, did all of the behind the scenes work um, and I'm so grateful to you and the ministry that you do behind the scenes. So thank you, Jen. All right, this year's trip was the first trip that we had been on in three years um, be due to the pandemic. And this year we took 34 participants and we built three homes and we do that over the course of five days. Um, after my sermon is over, I'm gonna, we're gonna have the opportunity to watch a little trip video that'll really give you a good peek into what the Mexico trip is like. But first, I wanna tell you a few stories. So I'll start on the day that we arrived in Mexico. Um, while our group was setting up their tents at our campsite, Jimmy Long and I, the other trip leader and I, we went and we looked at our work sites. So we got to go kind of early and see where it was that we were gonna be building our homes. So we went to this neighborhood in Tijuana um, and we navigated these very muddy streets because it had been raining all day just standing water everywhere. And we found our work sites, we went to our work sites and we found our three work sites. And they, we found the ground to be so waterlogged that the soil was basically quicksand. We had to put down plywood scraps even to just walk over it because otherwise as we were standing there we started sinking into the mud. But that was when we also got the opportunity to meet our Mexican families. We met Paula and Jorge and their grandson, baby Brian. They lived in one house that we were gonna build. And next door to Paula and Jorge was their daughter, Laura, who lives with her two children, Christelle and Christopher. So they were right next door. So we had three generations living right next door to each other. And then behind their house was our third property, Jesus and Rocio, who live with their niece, Allison, and her grandmother, Flavia. So three generations living next door, and then one house where three generations living together. So Jimmy and I are there, and we're meeting all of them, and I'm standing there, and I'm looking at the quicksand that we're supposed to build these houses on, and I admit that I was panicking. Because I know that you can make a lot of mistakes in building these houses, um, and it will still be okay. You can mess up some of the measurements when you're building the walls and you can always take the wall apart and start over again. 
you can put up your chicken wire and it can be really loose and look crazy, and there are a bunch of tricks that you can do to, to tighten that up kind of after the fact. But the one thing that you need to get right, the one thing that you really need to pay attention to is that foundation. And so I'm wondering, what happens if we just cannot pour a foundation? What happens if the ground is just so soft that we can't put a concrete slab on top of this? Is this gonna be the first trip in First Communities history that comes home having just not built houses? And I'm thinking about this Bible verse that Glenn read today, where Jesus explicitly tells us in a very clear way, do not build a house on sand. And I know that that extends to quicksand as well. And then I look over at that third worksite, and the homeowner, whose name is Jesus, is out there in the rain, and he had made, out of scraps of wood, he had made a tool with a flat bottom that he could slam on the ground and pound the wa some of the water out of the ground. And better yet, as he's doing this, he has invited his seven-year-old niece, Allison, and all of her friends to come over and to have a little dance party <laughs> on the area where we're gonna build this house. So with, he's pounding it out with this tool that he's made, and she and her friends are dancing around to flatten it out with their feet. And I saw what he was doing, and I saw that it was working, and I had this moment of great calm. Here is a man, literally named Jesus, <laughs> who was reminding me that everything was gonna be okay. We can do this, we just need to do what Jesus does. So the team that worked on Jesus' house was able to lay their concrete slab on that first day of work. And then the other two houses, we let the ground dry out for a day while we were building walls. And we poured the foundation on the second day. Now I wanna remind everybody that we build these houses entirely by hand. There are no power tools. We're using all hammers and hand saws. So when it comes to laying the foundation, we are mixing concrete by hand, and it's really hard work. And each batch that you mix doesn't get you very far. Um, you're mixing sand and gravel and cement and water together to make what looks like this big batch of concrete, and then you pour it into the 11 by 22 frame that you've got on the ground, and it gives you like maybe a quarter of an inch of, so you, it just takes so long to do this. It's truly demoralizing. So on my site, we're working, and we're getting tired, and it's getting hot out on this second day. And we've just sort of started yelling to each other what we need. Like, we need more sand over here. We need more concrete over here. And each time that we do this, our homeowner, Jorge, the grandpa of this, the two-house family, um, just would pop up out of nowhere with exactly what we would need. I would be like, guys, we need more water. And then I'd look over and little Jorge would be standing there like, agua? It was incredible. That was the thing that I really loved so much about our host families this year. They were very involved with the work. Um, they were kind of quietly doing the hard work in the background. They were always anticipating our needs. One morning when it was really rainy and cold, they made us hot chocolate. And one afternoon they made us this delicious traditional Mexican stew. Um, it was 
this delicious chicken stew that they had started making the day before. That's how you know it's really good when they start making it 24 hours ahead of time. It was incredible. And each time they provided us with food, they would know, they got to know our group of 34 so well that they would know who had eaten and who had yet to come and get something to eat. They would point at you. They'd be like, I know that you haven't gotten hot chocolate yet. Get over here. Um, they wanted to make sure that everybody had their fill of hot chocolate and lunch. I'm sharing these stories because I know that I often dwell on what I don't know about the Mexican families who host us each year. I often dwell on the fact that I don't get to know their stories as much as I would like to. And I also don't know what this experience is like from their perspective. What is it like to watch a bunch of strangers build you a house? Is it purely joyful, or are there some mixed emotions? Is there any kind of embarrassment? I'm sure there's some frustration as they watch us amateur builders mess things up and have to start over again, but I'm not sure. Um, what I do know about these three families is what I experienced firsthand over the course of those five days that we shared together that these three families were so creative, they were so resourceful, they were tenacious, they anticipated needs, they took great care of each other. And we, as outsiders who came into their home, we were treated with nothing but kindness and love. In the story that Glenn read for us this morning, Jesus is wrapping up his Sermon on the Mount. It's this big speech where he says all of the things that we know Jesus to have said. Things like, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You are the light of the world. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All the Jesusisms are in the Sermon on the Mount. And he wraps it all up. The very last thing that he says is the verse that we heard today about the wise builder and the foolish builder. He says, everyone who hears these words and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The storm came and the house stood strong, but everyone who hears these words and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The storm came and the house fell and great was its fall. What I take Jesus' words to mean is that we can talk about faith as much as we want but faith on its own is a little bit like sand. It may look sturdy when the sun is out, but when hard times come, faith can wash away. But acting on our faith changes it. It solidifies it. Action makes faith a place we can return to again and again. Ryan Nickel is a member of our congregation and she's also a social worker at Nationwide Children's Hospital. Ryan came to Crossroads this year and spoke to our middle schoolers and high schoolers about, um, as part of a series on putting faith into action. And she told us about her job and how she walks alongside families in some of the most difficult situations that we can imagine. And one of our Crossroads kids raised her hand after Ryan had presented and said, what inspired you to go into social work? And Ryan's answer was really simple. She said, the Mexico mission trip. Ryan said that attending the Mexico trip as a high schooler was the first time that she came face to face with the vast need that exists in our world and, and what it means to be a person of privilege. But it also empowered her. She recognized that she can do something about it. She might not be able to do everything, but she can do something. 
but she was able to point to the Mexico trip as the reason why she started down a path of serving others. I've heard countless similar stories of how this trip has changed the trajectory of people's lives, including my own. My hope for the Mexico trip participants, those in, from the past and the current ones and those who will go on this trip in the future, my hope for them is that this experience and this church and this community of people will serve as a firm foundation for more good to be built in this world. And that when the storms arise for each of us, we can remember that for one week, we learned that everyone is important and that God loves all of us exactly the same and that even the outsiders deserve compassion and dignity and love. And I hope that we also remember what our Mexican families taught us, that there is always someone smoothing out the ground ahead of us. There is always someone standing right behind us ready to help us with the heavy lifting. And there is always someone who cares if we have gotten enough to eat. What would it be like if we were those people for others? May we find out as we continue to build and rebuild our faith in action together. Amen. Let us watch a video from the 2023 Mexico trip together.